0: PGA Nation, we are back. We are back with the Zozo. And you know what? The Zozo, in my mind, even though it's not accurate by any stretch of the imagination, often feels like the season kickoff. You know, everyone just kind of starts coming out for the Zozo. Um, So it really is feeling like, all right, new season. We're really getting this thing going. Uh, And we're doing it coming off a hot start. Uh, getting on the right track last week. Um, I'm sure if you follow us on Twitter, you saw the lineup I drafted on this very show last week. Ended up taking down 20k in a tournament, um, and the it was funny that you we were talking right before we started. I was deciding between Wallace and Chasan Hadley. I said it on the show, and I actually put the lineup with Chasan Hadley in another tournament, and that won that tournament for another 5k. So. We were on it. We were definitely on it last week, and to be honest, obviously my lineup is getting all of the uh, credit, but all of our lineups were really good last week, so it wasn't just mine. We all had a really good week. We were really on it. We're running it back. We're riding that momentum into this week, heading to Japan and the Zozo, which is always just a fun and entertaining tournament to watch. Um,
1: Spencer, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Like I told you off the air, I'm not doing as well as you are after all your takedowns, but... You know, it's kind of funny when we do this draft, players go off the board and then you don't have an opportunity to take them. So I feel like I am the true MVP of this for why that lineup ended up winning. I was drafting next to you in the two spot. I'm like a good batting practice pitcher or like the pitcher throwing in the home run derby. I was just throwing it right down the middle, leaving Tom Kim for you, leaving all these players for you to be able to grab. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I feel like some percentage of that money, like, at least in theory, belongs to me on it. For
0: sure, I will. I write you an IOU for one dollar for a lot of that to happen. So um, you, you, you got it. That's that's for sure yours. Uh, for <laughs> David, how you doing tonight?
2: I'm good, but I'm gonna disagree with Spence because I was the real MVP last week. As you guys know, I travelled from New Zealand over to the states for family holiday or vacation, as you as you call it there and I decided I was going to pop across to Vegas for about six hours of the morning of the the Shriners' um, Open. Um, So, I mean, what I did for you, Joel, is I got in all those players' ears, you know, I was whispering, like, sweet words to them, explaining the situation, making sure that they really performed for you. So, sorry, Spence, but um, everyone else who followed um, Joel's lineup, you're welcome. There you go. There you have it. But
0: uh, if I'm going to be honest, While I love both of you, it wasn't either of you that did it. It's the audience. You guys are the real MVPs showing up every week, giving out your lineups. But not only that, technically, I think last week you guys got the pick the draft order, but I just stole it and took the first pick. And so in reality, you really are the MVPs for giving me the first pick. So this week, audience, I'm returning the favor. You guys are picking first. And you guys are going to take down 20K because I'm going to get first for more. But that's for a later time. Anyway, for this week, we want to get through a course breakdown with Spence, find out what to look for on the course, then we'll get into the draft as we normally do. Spence, tell us what we're looking for.
1: Yeah, so it's Narashino Country Club. It's just under 7,100 yards, par 70 bent grass greens. I'd consider this my version of being a dreaded betting week, just since we don't have in-tournament numbers available after these rounds. I will say I wouldn't be shocked if a site like Data Golf gives us something to work with. Although third-party resources can only be so accurate with how they run their metrics. So unfortunately, it's one of those contests where the long-term data points are faulty in general since we don't have enough information to extrapolate that out into course-specific blueprints. Um, you know, I don't want to get too much into how I built my model because we'd be here all day trying to uncover every deviation I made when I compiled these stats. But uh, Norishino features what I would call a claustrophobic design the venue emphasizes a substantial tree line nature that requires golfers to move the ball in multiple directions because of the dog lakes throughout, which does mean at least theoretically accuracy is going to take the top spot over distance because of some of the forced layups. Although as a counterpoint to that, I wouldn't entirely discount length since all three par five stretch between 562 to 608 yards. And there are also five par fours between 486 to 505. Sure, David, will talk about it a little bit. There's also been some rain in the forecast, so that might add distance a little bit more to the equation. All of that's going to create a hidden level of impact on distance when you consider uh, almost half the holes will require you to hit a driver off the tee. But as far as my model goes, and I'll just really quickly get into it, I tried to mimic the venue to similar tests we've seen in the past. I put 15% on strokes gain total at short par 70s with average to difficult fairways and 12.5% on average to difficult scoring at short courses. I dove into the recalculated recalcula- ranges of all the par 3, 4, and 5 holes. I looked pretty heavily into the ability to salvage a score. So that would be your bogey avoidance, scrambling, sand save around the green metrics. And then I formed my own weighted proximity and total driving stats to again get a better feel for the test that's going to be on hand. Uh, that has some distance. That has some accuracy. It has GIRs that are going to be hit. It has all the weighted proximity from at least what I Ran out when I tried to look at where I think players are going to be hitting their drive off the tee. So, you know, I tried to make my model as unique as possible to get away from some of the public sentiments that are going to take place. Um, You know, I I always mention this. I think a lot of people use the same sites for their research and they use a lot of the same information. And I'm always trying to build things at least a little bit differently to where I don't come up with all the same answers. There's certain players that I'm not going to be able to get around that my model is going to like. But Um, It's a difficult week without, like, at least a built-in, I guess, viewpoint of past historical data that we can pull from. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's very fair. Um, Now, the tournament has been played here, what, twice before? Twice, and
2: that's worth noting is that the 2020 edition went to Sherwood in California, so just be aware that if you're using stats that you need to exclude that week of any relevance to performance at this tournament i mean if you if you believe that certain people um peak at certain times a year fair enough but i generally just tend to look at at the way that people have played the course before so 2019 and then last year as well with the the two renditions that um we at this course here as spence mentioned um where going to be a factor in terms of there's quite a lot of rain predicted for thursday so for me that's putting some emphasis on the driving distance of um making sure that you know your balls aren't going to run out as far um obviously um on a on a softer fairway so making sure that you're getting some decent distance um off the tee is going to be imperative this week for me um it does look extremely heavy that first day and that means friday morning's likely going to be a bit wet as well so um the the other one is scrambling around the green so i think is a is a big advantage at this course um particularly spence mentioned some of those longer par fives that means when players are going for that second shot they may not be able to keep it on the green um, but they want to get up and down, uh, kind of similar to last week of Shriner's for trying to get up and down for a birdie rather than to say that. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't have the metric in front of me right now, but um, the, the par five that's over 600 yards, like the birdie or better percentage on it, it's like 21% or whatever it actually is on it. And that's as low as you're ever going to see for a par five. And it's a super long hole. It's kind of all the reasons why. David said that I have 17.5% on that around the green, sand save, all those metrics. So I think all of that's going to be very important this week.
0: I love it. I love it. Listen to that back. That's the way to find your edge when handicapping a tournament like this. And and let's not forget that they really tee off our time Wednesday night. So if you're planning to play, have your lineups prepared on Wednesday, don't get caught up and realizing it's too late. Um, even though it's going to be Thursday morning there, it is Wednesday night here. So be ready. Keep an eye on that. Check. Make sure no one's got any last-minute withdrawals Wednesday night before tee-off locks. Now, audience, you are on the clock. I gave you the first pick. It's the least I could do. Uh, get your nominations in. Now we'll get this draft
2: started. Is- it. They're, they're already sorted, right? They've got it. They've had three nominations already for the one, the only, the man. M. And speaking of the man, I'd also like to invite him to the comment section, Sia Najad, who again hit another first round leader at plus six thousand for Tom Hoagie. And um he's incredible. Not only has he got his good looks and charm, but he's one hell of a tower. yeah <laughs> we appreciate you joining
0: us, um, helping the squad out with the draft. We miss you this evening. We look forward to having you back next week. But nobody is surprised. See he hits his first round leader. Actually, to be honest with you, see, I'm a little bit disappointed. I tend to expect you to hit two first round leader buttons on a weekly basis. You only had one, so next week I think you can be better. But we'll accept at least half credit for getting the one first round leader. So good job, Sia, audience. Way to get your pick in Sung J M. Good pick, Spencer. Any thoughts on on the first pick here?
1: It's hard to win this contest when last week you took Patrick Cantlay, you know. Now this week Sung J M goes off the board. Um, you know. Clearly he's going to probably be the most expensive or the most popular player because $10,000 is way too cheap for him, but he's number one in my model in every single iteration of how I ran it. Uh, There was really not much I could find for why I didn't like him this week. So I think he probably should be the first pick off the board at that price tag. Fair enough. Spence, you are on the clock. All right. So that puts me in a bit of a bind right now. Um, I guess I'll just go with the player that technically, I mean, I guess the player that technically has the most distance would be Cameron champ, but I'm going to go with the player that has the second most distance in my model. That's going to be Cameron young at 9,300. I really like how Cameron young sets up for this course. It's like, it's one of those spots where the reason why I don't like champ comes down to a lot of the short game metrics. And uh, you know, he has some maybe long iron proximity. That makes sense. But as far as Cameron Young is concerned, he's number two in my model for overall birdie or better percentage, number two in par five birdie or better percentage. I think when you're looking at trying to find like it's a no-cut tournament, everybody's going to get in four days. You, I want to find players that are going to be able to reach their high end total, even if there's a little bit more vol- volatility to them at the end of the day. And to me, Cameron Young probably has the highest ceiling of anybody that's not in the $10,000 section. And while maybe the floor is a little bit more erratic, I don't think it's so much so to where, you know, at 17%, I don't think that that's a wild ownership percentage to um, take on.
0: I like it, I like the pick. I like Cameron Young every week, so I'm on board. David, what do you think of the Cameron Young pick?
2: Um, I'm offended, I'm insulted, I'm frustrated, because that's my number one golfer this week, Cameron Young. Um, I love the distance off the tee. I love the approach stats that we see from him. And we've got this weird blend with Cameron Young, which is very rare of getting this extreme distance off the tee, but an elite short game at the same time where he can scramble, which I think is going to be extremely important around here. So, round well on Spence. You've ruined my draft on the first pick.
1: Well, the audience started it in the wrong direction, so it's just a
2: triple down effect. No, actually, we're right. Let's brain the let's brain the audience. It's probably the as well um i'm now going to have to scramble if we're going along that kind of route of the driver who's got distance off the tee i'm really liking the form that he's bringing into this tournament is um kirk kiriyama i love the upside that you get with this player um he's been elite on the dp world tour and i think the travel aspect does come in this week as well in terms of the fact that kirk kiriyama's had to travel around the world on a regular basis in order to compete in these tournaments plenty of distance off the tee, plenty of equal potential. I um, he's gaining on approach, gaining on around the green as well, compared to the field on the majority of his attempts. So I love that SAP profile and I'm loving the, uh, loving the price that we're getting on him. Well, speaking of which we can't um, actually see the prices at the moment for the spreadsheet. So I don't know if that's, uh, that's uh, um issue with the, the font color or something like that, but we might need to just have a quick look at that. But Kirk and my is um, my pick and interested to hear your guys' thoughts.
0: I like him. He's a good value pick. I, I like getting him in the mid range. Uh is a guy I t- often target as a first round leader. So he might be someone we mention even later on as well. What do you think, Spence?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to like about him. Um, I mean, one of the things I always try to note on this show is just when I do see sharp movement and I've seen Kiriyama's number just drifting or I guess uh, plummeting. It's the better word to use there in this space right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's hard to argue when something like that is taking place, and my model seems to kind of agree with that sentiment too.
0: Well, I have to say this draft really worked out swimmingly for me because two of the guys I was targeting with my first pick dropped to me. I was only expecting one, two, and now that I'm going to get both, I'm not sure if I can really afford both, but you know how the draft kicks work. We're going to roll with it and see where the draft takes us from there. So, with my first pick, I'm going to take, as Byron has mentioned in the set, Hideki um of course we got to get decky gate going i'll be the first to to get it started here Uh i just think you know people got down on decky because he was hurt last year um i don't i'm not a doctor i don't i haven't examined him but i have to assume he had a lot of time off he's playing in the tournament my mind says he i think he's recovered i i know nothing i just hope i'm right if he's healthy i think he's going to be uh, one of the better players in the tournament. I think he's a top, he's for sure a top five, top 10 type player. Uh, and obviously the risk is his health. So I wouldn't play him in cash or small tournaments, but for a GPP, even though his ownership is probably, I think I'm seeing about 17%. I think that's fine uh, for, for Decky here. And I'm going to pair him with who well, I well, well, basically is Tiger Woods Jr. And that's Tom Kim. Uh, the, maybe the greatest golfer we've ever seen. Uh, he just keeps winning. Uh, Nothing showing me he's slowing down. I mean, for a course that you are going to want to prioritize ball striking, um, he's proven to be an elite ball striker. Uh, His form is obviously there. Yes, the concern is, do you really think he's going to win another tournament back-to-back? You know, he doesn't need to win, necessarily. I do think he's going to compete and do really well,
1: though. Yeah, as far as Hideki goes, just really quickly with him, like, there's only one player who's beaten him on this course, and that would be Tiger Woods. So I mean, that's a pretty good stat to have there for him. And uh, I don't think 17% is that outrageous. I, I kind of envisioned when this week started, it's a 78 man field. I thought that Hideki could push like 25, 30, 35%. And if he's only going to be 17%. It kind of makes me reconsider some of my stances I had on him. I, I still have worries because I don't know exactly where he's at with his game right now, but it might be that Patrick Cantlay situation to where he was really good at TPC Summerlin. Hideki's really good on this course, and it's it's one of those things where I do think ball striking sees an emphasis here, just because it is so difficult. And anytime that's the case, putting kind of goes backwards to like the importance, just because when you think of birdie fest, you have to make putts. That's not necessarily the case here. Like, sure, you're going to always have to make putts, but like that liability isn't such a liability when the winning score is, let's say, 13 under par versus 25 under par.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I, I totally agree. Um, Byron and Sia are saying there's a decade gate that he was already taken, but that's blasphemous because he was not, and there's no evidence to support this claim. Um, I would like to call in my counsel, Sia Najad, to defend my case. If you can come forth. With any evidence proving otherwise, I will uh, look at it. But for now, with
2: zero evidence, we move on. David, you are back on the clock. I, I believe it's a frivolous claim that is actually resulting in loss of time for the uh, the draft cast. So um, <laughs> claim denied. And I'm going to go to the the top of the board for me, a player that um, obviously has just had an outstanding year, particularly the, the last end of the year was um, pretty iconic in terms of Ten top twenty finishes from eleven starts, and that's Xander Um I think that his floor is incredibly high, so I love him as a as a lock in terms of some of those core lineups that I'm building. Um, I just i I would be surprised if he's not in the top fifteen, and so I love plugging him in and then building a team around him in terms of some riskier plays with that GPP element.
1: Yeah, that's the route I was going to go with my next pick. Um... Look, I mean, I think like at least as far as my model is concerned, Sung Im, forget ownership. Let's just like throw that out the window for a second. It thinks Sungjae is the best play. I, I mean, Xander, if there's going to be any leverage that you can create off of him, I think that argument can kind of start pushing back in his direction. And there's like I kind of said with Sung Sungjae, there's just really not much you can find about Xander that you cannot like.
2: Particularly with Xander, I'll point out as well that there's going to be a disproportionate number of shots from 150 to 200 yards at this golf course. Data Golf have then um over nine more shots from that range compared to other normal PGA Tour golf courses. And Xander Schofle is elite with those long lines as well, so I like that aspect of this game too.
1: Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Um, I guess I'll move us along, and I don't really technically have a pick right now. Um, This draft has not gone as swimmingly for me as it seems to have gone for everybody else. Um, All right. I guess I will go with... I I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'm going to create some leverage on this pick here. I'm going to take Terrell Hatton at 9,100. He looks to be the player that at least from 9,000 and above is going to give me the best pivot potential. Uh, I see 8.7% right now. That's the 28th uh, highest owned player in this field. I have some concerns about the way that he models out for me, but inside the top 15 for my model, there's only 12 players that graded as I guess what I would call uh, in the top end of every single metric that I look for. Hatton is one of them. So If you're telling me that Hatton is a guy that nobody's going to play and he's a guy that my model seems to like from all the back end stuff that I'm looking, I'll take him and try to get different there.
0: I like it. I like it. Audience, you are back on the clock. Now you got two in a row. So get as many nominations in as you can. Rapid fire, because we need to get two picks in to get you through this turn. Um, You had a good start with Sung Jam. And I think what's really interesting about this draft, which doesn't usually happen is almost the entire, or not the entire, but a good portion of the top of the board was drafted. Um, which we normally do start early. So I think that goes to show you we are prioritizing some of these um higher priced guys thus far. The first pick is in for the audience. It is Mito Pereira, who is I think a great value pick at his price this week. You know, we've seen Mito be an elite golfer in the past year, we saw him fall off and struggle a bit. It seems to be turning back on that turn of playing really good golf, and at 8300 it seems like a really good price for him this week.
1: Yeah, my model likes him. It likes the upside that he possesses here. I, I don't know if I trust him on Sunday with some of the stuff we've seen, but I think at 8300 the price tag is just too cheap. Like, you don't need a victory out of him. Just get, like, the birdie-making upside that he does have, and hopefully he doesn't completely implode on a Sunday.
0: You know what might be good for him is like if he comes into Sunday like maybe in tenth, so he doesn't have the pressure. Yeah, perfect. And just yeah, just stay in the round ten, and that that'll be fine. That'll yeah. be fine. Um, and it looks like the second pick is going to be Scott Song. Another pick I like. I think Scott Song is is a player on the rise. He's he's shown really good form in the past six months uh, of play. Um, and I see no reason to believe that that doesn't continue at 200.
1: Yeah, my model like he is one of. There's three players in the eight thousands that I am more bullish on than everybody else uh in that range and stallings would be one of those three players so i think he's certainly somebody to consider at that price tag
0: i love it audience coming in with a dangerous dangerous team spence you are back on the clock
1: all right i am going to take a player i'm seeing 15.6 percent right now uh, he's one of the handful of guys that has actually played this tournament both times. He has a seventh place in 2021, a 22nd place in 2019. I'm going to go with Tommy Fleetwood and I'm going to hope that some of that long iron play from him is more towards that, like 2018, 2019 version than what we've gotten here more recently. Like in my model, when I'm running this from a two-year perspective, he's 56 with proximity from over 200 yards. But the one thing I know about Fleetwood when he was at his best is that long iron play and the total driving was a deadly combination that he possessed. So I think that if we're talking about players where this is going to be more challenging, we know that Fleetwood excels in these more difficult tests. Think of open championships. Think of some of these European style courses that he does play well at. I think we put him in Japan here. You're telling me that the winning score is going to be probably 15 under par or less. Uh, That's the type of tournament that Fleetwood can win and. Um, He's second in my model from an overall rank sense. And that's about as high as I've ever had him before, even when I waited the long iron proximity. So uh, there's going to be some negative that you're going to have to deal with, but the high end results, it's like, once again, what I'm looking for, give me these players that over four days, I am at least seeing that high end potential come into play. And Fleetwood has that in my model this week.
0: I love it. You got a, another strong looking team though. One of, I guess, there is still somehow plenty of salaries I'm, I'm like getting concerned are we gonna run out of money here but it looks like our average price per dollar is still there so goes to show you can be a little bit more balanced if you want to kind of play how you like this week i think you, you can there's a lot of creative ways to build a roster all right david you are on the clock
2: yeah so i'm gonna go um with the aussie cam davis with my my next pick what I liked with him last week is that I think he's, he's going to fly under the radar a little bit this week, um, given he only finished 37th at the Shriners. But what I'm, what I'm seeing is a good improvement on his approach play compared to a pretty terrible start to the, the new year on the Net Championship. And what I'm always looking for is that improvement and that upward trajectory in those four striking stats as an indication that this player may have found something and may be turning it around. Um, if we're thinking Ken Davis, obviously great distance off the tee. We, we know that he's got a, a bit of a prevalent streak in these shorter courses, and at 7,000 yards, you know, this is a relatively short course other than some of those par fives. Um, and I like those stats from the 150 to 200-yard um, approach play mark as well for Ken Davis. So I do think he's a little bit of a sneaky prop play at that price. I think he does go lower-owned than some of those other options in that region, um, and I like the upside that I get with him there. Yeah,
1: that's player number two for me in the $8,000 range in no particular order, by the way, but that's the second guy that I think is a very good play in the $8,000 section.
0: I love it. Well, there you have it. It's good to hear that we are all for the most part, pretty aligned. It means if we're all liking the same pick, there's something to say, um, about, you know, the stats and, and why we like those plays. Now for me, coming back here on the turn. I have two picks, um, and the two guys I'm going to go with are I'm going to start with Seb Straka. Seb um, I just love the way his game has kind of turned around over the last few months. I mean, he's been when he competes, he gets really high finishes, right? And if we're going for these GPPs, he's the type of guy who's not safe. Like he's you know if he's off on the week, he'll miss the cut, but when he's dialed in, you know we've seen him top five win tournaments. Um, and I think if he can dial one in this week, I think we can see him have a really good result. So at 7,900, getting under the 8K range, I need to start balancing my lineup out. I think I can do so with him here. And I'm going to follow him up with Mark Hubbard. Uh, Mark Hubbard's just playing really consistent recently. I mean, it, it, he's fifth at the center from some farms. He was tied for 21 at the Fortinet. Um, you know, again, another guy in the 7K range that's shown a lot of consistency. They can balance out my lineup that I'm drafting to be very kind of stars and scrubs on top of it.
1: Yeah, my model always likes Mark Hubbard, so you're never going to get an argument from me there.
0: Love it. Appreciate that. David, you are back on the
2: clock. I am, back again. And I'm going to go with the Colombian with my next pick, Sebastian Munoz. Oh, man. (laughs) Which Spence is delighted about. So, um, Spence, would you like to tell me why my pick is great?
1: Well, it's like, it just goes back to what I'm talking about of trying to find these high upside golfers. Like I think Munoz and Mito Pereira are the two guys in the $8,000 section that fits that perfectly. When I run this to look for, like one of the things I do in my model is I run it for overall, I run it for upside and I run it for safety. This is like the one week even more so than any other week when I look at it because of the no cut nature. It's very important for me to find these guys that have a bunch of upside to them just cause you're going to be able to get in four rounds of golf. Like I will get to this in the first round leader section. Uh, both of those two players are going to make my card this week, but um, I, I like him. I guess there's a fourth player in the $8,000 section, which I don't think I'll be able to afford. Um, that might make some sense, but I think if like you're looking and you're trying to build into this 8,000 range, Munoz, Mido, um, I'll mention him just cause I don't think it'll influence the show. Siwoo Kim is probably interesting. Like there's a couple guys to consider in that range.
0: I love it. I love it. There you have it, Spence. You are back on the clock. All right. Um...
1: (laughs) This is not that easy of a pick, but I guess I will go with the upside thing that I currently have right now that I just keep mentioning over and over again. And I will take Aaron Rye at 7,500. So 31st in my model, 18th when I run this purely for upside. The safety metric of 31st overall is still fine for him there. And um, like when I look at strokes gain total on short par 70s with average and difficult hit fairways, he's inside the top 20. He's inside the top 25 when it looks at difficult scoring courses. We know that he's had some overseas success in the past as it is. I think the par five scoring is good enough to where he can find some success there and the total driving for me places him eighth overall uh six for ball striking 11th for the weighted off the tee which is just that like total driving plus weighted proximity stats so i think Ry is somebody that can like give you a very sneaky top 10 out of nowhere here
0: i do i like that big we've seen um rye show flashes from week to week at 7500 i think you get a good value there audience do not forget to get your nominations in uh you have back-to-back picks there's one nomination there's two nominations feel free to flood them in as you go while they do so david what do you think about the aaron rye pick?
2: I love it. And I I love the fact that the audience are um, obviously very, very upset about this pick because um, that's always great. Um, And Sia has entered the chat to to pass on these accusations. Um, I
3: I am here to protect the audience from. Listen, Spencer, I get
1: that you're rattled, but you can't just go in and take all of our picks. It's not cool, man. (laughs) I didn't even know the audience was on him. I don't have the chat up in front of me, so I wasn't looking at that. Hey, I write like 20 articles a week. You can go into any of those articles and you can find Aaron Wright over and over and over again in there.
3: Well, it's officially Rygate, as Byron has pointed out aptly in the chat, which Spencer allegedly can't see. Okay, so here's the thing, guys. I have to, I have to run in and run out, but there was no way I wasn't going to jump in here and give my first round leader picks after hitting Tom Hokey, right? I mean, I can't do that, right? No, so we have to hear it. Mm-hmm. By the way, Tom Hoagie, uh, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the camera. Come on to the show. So we like to invite people on the show uh, with names that people kind of like aren't sure how to pronounce. Like, is it Hoag? Is it Hoagie? Is it Sahith Tagala? Is it Sahith Tagala? Is it Sahith Tagala? Like, so it's Sahith Thegala, right? But the point is, Tom Come on to the show. Like, this is my pitch. I'm sure you're watching. I know Tom Hoagie Nation is watching. We support you by supporting the first-round leader, which got you there on Thursday. And you supported us by coming through. So, Tom Hoagie, you got to come on to the PGA Draftcast. All right? Cool. All right, so now that that's out of the way, Tom Hoagie is not one of my first-round leaders. I'm going to make this quick. Uh, You guys mentioned the guy that is going to be the easy-button first-round leader. So, Joel, I want you to get that ready. But let me go over the other four first. I picked five guys here. Um, I think honestly, there's only like 50 that are really in contention to like actually close a day on top. So, you know, the odds are shorter than I would like. <clears throat> let's start with let's start with Mito Pereira at 35 to one. I liked him last week as first round leader. I like him this week as first round leader. Period. Uh, Scott Stallings at 40 to one. We've talked about both. You guys have talked about both of these guys on the PGA Draftcast. I like him at 40 to one again. These are first round leader bets. Matthew Wallace, Joel. I mean. Great call. Great pickup. Matthew Wallace at 70 to one. I'm going to go sort of off the reservation a little bit. I'm going to go to Kazuki Higa at 100 to one. So that's four. So we got Mito. We got Stallings. We got Wallace Higa and then the shortest of them all, the shortest odds of them all. This is a guy that has such great first round leader equity, especially with not a ton of skill at the top. He is a monster. He rates out so well, especially if length is going to be important, if off the tee is going to be important. When he is hot, he is hot. And, of course, I'm talking about your first-round leader post, what is it, Wednesday morning Eastern Standard Time? Because we're playing over in Japan at the Zozo Championship. Your first-round leader, your easy-button first-round leader. For back-to-back easy-button first-round leaders, last week it was Tom Hoagie. This week it is none other than, at 25-1, to
0: Cameron Young that was easy well there you have it i mean you're welcome world listen at the you're end welcome. of the day i'm not gonna tell you to bet your whole house on it but if you did last week yeah. you would be a rich person so you'd have 60 houses I actually I 60 houses so i don't think jeff bezos has 60 houses so you would basically be richer than jeff bezos
3: don't so. be irresponsible like j-dog who literally won $30,000 on that bet because that's what he does. Like just, you know, just splash it a little bit, Carmen. Thanks for noticing um, that I joined the show, but this is the easy button play, which means of course it's coming in. So I'm going to let you guys finish the draft cast. I noticed the, the audience has two picks. I'm going to probably jump back in and try to help out with that. But everybody, thanks for watching. If you haven't already hit hit the like button, uh, please hit it. It's been a great show guys.
0: Thank you. We appreciate you see it. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, while we love you, Sia, for joining, we do have to move quick because we got to get through this draft. Yes. So, audience, yes. out nominations. And we're going to go with Naismith and Grillo as your two picks. Uh, two very good picks, good values, way to get them in. I like the direction that your team is going. Uh, we're going to move right back over to Spencer for his next pick here.
1: Do I have clearance to make a pick without being accused of cheating this time around? Absolutely not. i'm gonna go with well i'll tell you this nobody's taking this player in general so i can't be accused based off of that reason here but i i watched this guy play on thursday i mean i'm not so sure i've ever seen somebody miss more fairways in my entire life he was in the rocks he was everywhere that he shouldn't have been i'm gonna take ricky fowler at uh 7400 dollars uh, 22nd in my model, when I run this purely from an upside perspective, I think he has first round leader appeal. Now, maybe this is a little bit too aggressive, but at less than 5%, like I don't need a victory out of him. He can give me a top 15, a top 20 type finish. If he hovers anywhere near that 22nd place result, which I do think we can see. I mean, he came sixth at the Fortinet, the Shriners. He, he turned it around a little bit on Friday. Um, I had a Jason day bet and a Taylor Pendrith bet over him on Friday. The Pendrith bet won, the day bet lost. Um, I'm just going to bet on the upside here with Fowler. And and I think he's a unique play to try to get different. And by the way, there's a lot of very unique plays down in this range. Like um, we can talk about some of these players at the end, but there's players with more distance than Fowler that you can get about at the same price tag that can going to be, you know, 3.5, 3.8 percent. 3.1% uh, if you're just trying to shoot for the moon here on some of these guys that at least have some sort of a prerequisite that you're looking for at this venue.
0: I, I just had this song playing in my head. Uh, guess who's back? Ricky's back. <laughs> I hope you're right. And if he does come through this week, I would love for you to sing
2: that entire song on the show. That would be fantastic.
0: Uh, but,
2: David, you are on the clock i can confirm as well that um uh, as you know I was, I was in um vegas for about 18 hours and six of those were at the golf and um, meeting spencer in person i found him wandering uh the course <laughs> at ppc summerland following jason day ricky fowler able to confirm spence is still stuck in 2015. um he's still living that dream and jason day played well to be honest i was very surprised really the one week that spencer wasn't on him and he finished eighth so um there you go I'm I'm going to go with a name that um, Sia mentioned. I thought this was going to be some good leverage, but maybe if Sia's on them, um, he's going to be less leveraged than I hoped for, which was uh, Kazuki Higa. I love what he's done on the Japanese tour this last year. He's won three times on the Japan Japan tour. He's arriving off a T3 um, last week. So um, obviously he's coming in with good form and he's already acclimatized in the time zone as well. We've seen him before um, make an appearance on the DP World Tour, so he's played on the Japanese Tour, immediately popped up at one of the more premium events on the DP World Tour for a 10th place finish. So the guy has game, and in the $6,000 range, I think you're getting great value of someone who has actually some pretty excellent upside um, and who may fly under the radar. But given C I had him as a a first-round leader, I'd be really interested to see what um, ownership projections look like on him.
1: I'm impressed that you're both on him. I don't really have much of a takeaway in any direction from it. Um, I don't have enough numbers to really look at, but I think that that's very interesting that both of you guys are on a guy that's, I mean, I'm seeing 2% owned right now. So um, we'll see if that holds true after he's mentioned on this show, but uh, a unique take nonetheless with a guy who might shoot up a little bit now. Very.
0: I
2: mean, you all know that I move markets, right? So
0: very interesting indeed um all right i'm going here to close the draft my draft out i have through two picks i'm deciding between three players um i'm gonna go start off with one of my heroes from last week matt wallace bringing him back is around the green game his putting combination um can make him compete in any tournament right if he just sings a bunch of putts and Everything up on the green. I think it's actually a good formula for this week. Even if he mixes a bunch of greens, he tends to clean everything up rather quickly, uh, which should allow him to compete again this week. Um, I'll do the same thing I did last week. I'll be honest with you guys on who I'm deciding between my last pick. It is coming down to uh, Adam Shank, uh, the no, that's Not a ton of good name, for him, but his ball striking has been really good. Um, you know, he, he's not the greatest around the green player, which co- could find some some issues here. But he certainly is someone that can. Uh, that is a really good elite ball striker. And if he finds that this week, he can compete. And the other option is Dylan Fratelli. Dylan Fratelli has finished a good result here in the past. He's in relatively good form. Uh, and he certainly does have some some pretty good upside. So for the pick, I am going to go with Fratelli here. Um, I think it's the upside for me. I think, you know, he's the guy who, if it's going to hit, I think he can get up a little bit higher if I'm looking to put this in a GPP.
1: You have you have to actually be shitting me right now.
0: <laughs> Listen, Smith, I gave you two options. So now you can just steal one of my other picks. That's all I
1: thought. Well, I had I had two options. The first option that I wanted was Dylan Fratelli. The second option was Matt yeah. Wallace.
2: Oh, <laughs> <Well>, that's tough. <laughs> and I'll share as well that um featuring at the end of the show are both Fratelli and Shank for me. Um I already have both of those on my cards. So um, obviously love those picks. Um, in terms of my final pick of the draft i'm going to leave um plenty of money on the table here and when i think of distance off the tee um potentially some adverse weather great putter great short game um i'm thinking of lucas Her- lucas herbert who in in markets is priced as low as 50 to one so i love the price that we're getting him in, on, on a dfs um, perspective We've seen a real turnaround on this game, and for for Herbert, I don't need to see too much from him in order to um, to get back onto that train. So um, seeing a bit of resurgence in his game, I really like the pick um, for this week here.
0: Yeah, I like that call also. I do as well. Spence, I know you're scrambling. I know you're you are very limited. And you know what what's making it extra tough for you, Spence? Is that there's there's no kind of end, the shunk and field. It's not like you have many other places no. to go, but please enlighten us.
1: Well, I am like you are correct. I am scrambling right now to try to figure out who I want to take here. Um Well, let me let me pose this question to you guys and then I guess I'll make a decision. Uh the two players right now I would be deciding between would be make sure I can afford both. Um Brendan Steele and Luke List. Do you guys have thoughts on those two?
0: My opinion is List is more volatile. I think if he does have a hot week, you can get a little bit more upside out of him, but he's also more likely to miss the cut. Whereas I think you get a little safer with Steele, but maybe limited a bit on the upside.
1: David, what about you?
2: I mean, both of them are obviously um, co-captains of Team NoPart, which is always your concern with both List and Steele. Um, I, I agree with Joel. I think that Steele's is the safer pick and maybe looking at the rest of your lineup, Steele would be the lean in terms of putting a little bit more safety into that lineup um, with um, players such as Ricky Fowler in there who are going to be a little bit more risky.
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree with anything that you guys have said there. I think that that's probably the way to look at it. I think when you look at Luke List's current form, and it's not that Steel's has been brilliant, but, uh, list, 73rd, miscut, 61st, miscut, 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 miscut. Like, that's not great.
2: The, the I, thing with list is he's consistently gaining with the ball striking, right? Yes. So all you need is you just need that one week where he puts lights out and he'll win the tournament. And we've spoken about him before in that vein of what you're looking for is just one week of the putter being even, and he's going to finish top five. Like And that's the upside. So I like the volatility that you get with him as well.
1: I think based off of that, even though my lineup construction maybe doesn't point in that direction, with this being a no-cut tournament, I think I can take that chance here with Luke List. He's ninth in my model when I'm looking at strokes game total on short par 70s with average to difficult fairways. Uh, He kind of possesses a lot of that Dylan Fratelli stuff I was looking for. And like if we're looking, I just want to go back to Fratelli for one second. If you're looking at $6,000 golfers, there's only two golfers in the 6,000s that are ranked inside the top 40 for me. Uh, That would be Hayden Buckley and Dylan Fratelli. Hayden Buckley's like 14%. Dylan Fratelli is two to three percent. I think that's a great pivot option if you're trying to find a way to get different there. Uh, same thing to be said about Luke List, he's 3.8%, steel is 8%. So if it's like in that situation where I can't really make a decision of what I want to do, give me the guy that I think possesses maybe a little bit more boomer bust potential with Luke List. I love that. I think that that was right. He was
0: someone I was considering with one of my last picks as well. Uh, all right, audience, get your final picks in. To close out the draft, we need your nominations. Oh, it's already in. That was an easy one. Do, can they afford c No. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, you can. C-Bez it is. Of course, Byron picks his best friend as his last one. We totally get it, Byron. You beat him when you guys were younger. You probably could still beat him. So, actually, you guys probably should have taken Byron instead of him. But, Anyway, that was your pick. You can't take it back now. Good luck, everyone. Don't forget to hit the like button. Give us a follow. It goes a long way. That's a wrap for the draft tonight, but we're not done yet. We do have the rest of our first-round leaders and outrights. Sia already graced us with his presence. Sia is red hot, so you are going to want to trail some of his picks as well. But we'll give you ours before we wrap up the show for tonight. Uh, why don't we start with you for tonight, David? We'll start in the outright market. Who do you like for the outrights this week?
2: Well, the first thing I'll point out is that I did not take Lucas Herbert for my last pick, and I don't want Spence um, stymieing my lineup by not um, yeah. showing the record showing that I've taken that player. So um, I know that I'm pretty awesome, but, you know, there's, there's means to to get around this. Um, I, I do have Lucas Herbert on my card in terms of um, a pick. I um, I have him with eight places at 50 to 1. Um, I have Cameron Young on my card. He's my top golfer this week. I have him at 19 to 1. Interestingly, I'm still getting value at that number. I have fewer odds for him at 14 to 1. So at 19 to 1, that's a great tick for me. I have Kurt Yama. I managed to snag him at 70 to 1. So those odds have changed um, substantially since then. Um, I also have Dylan Fratelli. I have him at 140 to 1. And I have Adam Schenk at 125-1 to one as well. The rest will be posted in Discord in terms of suggested staking and top place finish bets.
0: Love it. Love it. How about you, Spence? are going on the outright market?
1: So my model seems to think that the limited field and, you know, the no-cut nature kind of does propel the top of the board more than usual. So I'm going to slightly decrease my win totals from eight units to seven. And I'm going to select three guys that are sub 40 to one. It's a very aggressive card in that sense. I, I don't plan on adding anybody with like no in-tournament data. So I'm just kind of giving my card the way that it is. It's a little bit over one unit that I have in total. It's usually not that uh, jumbled up together with the win total and the exposure that I have. But started with Sung JM 12 to one. Uh, I have proper at 10 to one. Cameron Young 19 to one. As David said, I also have proper at 14 to one. And then Tommy Fleetwood, 35 to 1. I have proper at 25 to 1. And uh, just to really quickly throw it out there, since we didn't mention it, at least I don't think he was taken. Uh, the player I'm most surprised wasn't taken was Colin Morikawa this week.
0: Yes, we did skip that section this week because we're in a little bit of a time crunch. But I agree. Colin Murakawa um, was a bit surprising of a no pick. Uh, for my outrights this week, I like Substraka at 50 to 1. I think it's a really good number you're getting. Forgot with his upside. Um, I also really like Victor Hovland at 18 to 1, and of course, Hideki Atsuyama at 14 to 1. My Hail Mary toss of the week is going to be, uh, as David already mentioned, as I drafted Dylan Fratelli at 150 to 1. That's
1: a good price. That's a really good price. number on Fratelli.
0: And the way I looked at it, I was looking at the numbers. You just look at the guys around him, and it's just like he stands out. It's like, you know, some of these guys I haven't even heard of, or they're really below. And then there's Fratelli. So definitely has the upside. Again, not a likely bet, but definitely I, I like the value on the upside on it. All right. Now let's go to our first round leader, Spence. Who are you looking at here?
1: I took Siwoo Kim 40 to 1, Mito Pereira 40 to 1, Sebastian Munoz 40 to 1. Uh, The audience's pick of Aaron Rye at sixty to one, Ricky Fowler sixty to one. Coach did tell me that you could find that at sixty six to one if you shop around on a site like BetMGM. And then the player that I seem to be on almost every single week, Alex Smalley eighty
2: to one.
0: Boom! There you have it, David. How about you for the first round leader? I I also have Alex
2: Smalley on my card as a as a high upside player that I can trust for one round potentially, but not a full tournament. So I have him at eighty to one as well. Unfortunately, a couple of those numbers you guys are getting um, over there are uh, fantastic. I'm only getting here as a first round leader at 80 to 1. So if you're getting that 100 to 1 number, there's great value there. Same with Fratelli, I'm only getting 80 to 1 on that number in the international market. So if you get getting 150 to 1, that's fantastic value. Um, I also have Kirk Kityama at 55 to 1. But my lock is the same as Sia. I have Cameron Young as the first round leader at 25 to 1 as a guaranteed bet.
0: Yes. Yes. For me, I actually like a first round leader. I'm going, I'm taking a stance this week. All of my first round leader exposure is going to one guy. It is someone we mentioned already. And that is Kirk Katayama. I love him as a first rounder. He does show up on these first rounds. He's been close recently. I think this is a week he gets hot and he becomes our first round leader at 50 to one. One more reminder before we let you guys go tonight. Smash that like button. Give us a follow. It goes a long way. And then follow us on Twitter. Let us know which team you think is going to win the DraftCast this week. Whose lineup you like the most. We're coming back next week with the results. And we're going to celebrate again with another big win. Good luck this week. And, of course.